0: Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Let there be light. All right, stand. To all of you sitting at home in your PJs, go ahead and get up. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, hope everybody's well. You look good. Of course, it's kind of dark in here, so. I'm just messing with you, man. Don't be so quiet. Might need some help from online people here in a minute. Hey, if you're watching online, go ahead and say something nice, would you? Don't be tacky, even though I'm not able to read it. My guys are. And we'll cast you somewhere. Anyway, gonna start something a little new today. Um, With everything going on in the world every week, I've just tried to pause a little bit rather than going into some series, even though we did a few weeks on pain, just trying to stay really current with where we're at. And uh, this message today, and we'll probably carry on into next week, there's no way I can finish it, but uh, most of us are taught in life that to... uh, really get on in life, you just have to learn how to be tough and survive. And we are right now in a world that is, probably most people are thinking, I just hope I can get by. I hope I can make it. I hope I can survive what's going on in the world. And though that's not a horrible thing, surviving's not the worst thing that can happen, it oftentimes, however, leads us to a place of... Just uh, acceptable may not even be the right word, but because I believe that surviving is important. I grew up in a survival culture. We were never going to do great. We, we weren't going to even be better than most. We were just going to be good. And I believe that's a demonic ploy to steal, not only from us, but to some degree, the, the satanic attempt is to steal our destiny, our purpose, our effectiveness, our influence, our impact. If you're just surviving, people might go, yeah, but how many of you know most people don't want to get in the, the foxhole with somebody who's not fighting back? Well, we're just going to stay in the foxhole and hope they run out of bullets. Well, there's a really good chance that's not going to happen. But you might survive it, and, and they don't know you're there. That would be the only way. But you're miserable in the process and so most people live their life saying you know it's, it's just it's just good but inside you and inside me in our spiritual dna is spectacular victorious overcoming overcomers victorious life all of those things are in our spiritual dna and most people get tired at some point in their life And they shift from pressing toward thriving to accepting their position as simply surviving. And after the pandemic, that's what I think a lot of people are going to, you know, I'm just tired. I'm done. I don't see any hope. I I don't see any way this turns around. And basically what you're saying is, I'm depending on the government or I'm depending on somebody or something. Let me tell you, you have everything you need inside you. To rise up and overcome and be victorious and a thriving individual. But it does take work. You're up against a pretty strong breeze. Uh, I've always loved the water and and, uh, still do. I'm a water bug. I'm an outdoorsman. And so last weekend, uh, Labor Day weekend, after we left here and went to Tulsa to do a 3 o'clock funeral and stayed over in Tulsa to to hang out with uh, some of Susan's kids, and uh, a couple of them are water people too. So uh, her second daughter and her husband have a, a sailboat and they go out on Lake Keystone. So uh, they said, will don't you go with us? And I said, okay, let's do that. And, and they said, you want us to take the paddle boards? Absolutely. Well, it's, it was an incredibly windy day. Incred- I mean, it's like, really? I mean, all you had to do was stand on the board. If you're going the right direction, you don't have to do anything. But I got downwind and had to turn around And the wind's right in my face. And I thought to myself, I can, I can just stop here and, and not do anything, or I can strive to get back to the dock where I was. And with the wind and everything, I'm just, I just thought, you know, it'd be so easy to just do nothing. Then I thought to myself, I don't know if this is um, a carnal thing <laughs> or a man thing where you go, bless God, I ain't gonna let the wind beat me. You know, it's invisible, it's not strong, you know And so, you know, I pushed through In doing that, I talked about my wrist last week <laughs> And I injured it and ended up in the ER um, And I know that's maybe an age thing, a stubborn thing, I don't know But I was not built to allow the wind to dictate what I'm going to do And neither were you And so you say, but, but you hurt, that's dumb No, not really, it's fun Some of y'all who don't like pain, sorry. Suck it up, buttercup. So, all I'm saying is, if we're not careful, all that's happened in our world today will cause us to lose heart. And the Bible tells us not to lose heart. You lost business. You might have lost some other things. But there's one thing we must never lose, and that we must never lose heart. We must never lose hope. We must always believe that God will make a way. So turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1. And I'm not going to assume everybody watching online uh, has heard the story of Israel in Egypt. Been diso- they were disobedient to God. They find themselves in captivity. But God wasn't going to leave them there. And God's not going to leave you in prison. God's not going to leave you captive to your disobedience. Your mistakes. Whatever it might be that puts you where you are. Maybe someone else did. And it's real easy if somebody else puts you where you are. We can blame the government because of all the things that we might disagree with. And, and we can say, you shouldn't have shut things down. We can go there. And, and we can just begin to look outside and say, the reason I am where I am is somebody else's decision. And that may be true. But you're going to get to where you are because of your decision, not theirs. You can say, well, it, it, it stopped me in my tracks. It held me back. It's pushing on me. Paul said, I press. There has to be a press in our lives to not allow circumstances to keep us from our best. So I'm gonna talk about good, better, and best. And we'll talk about good. Good is surviving, not a bad thing. Some people say, you know, I'm proud to be a survivor. It's all I'll ever be. And if that's what you wanna be, that's great. But the reality is you were created for so much more. And Israel left Egypt. God brought them out at the hands of Moses, going in, standing up against Pharaoh, the opposition, and they come out of Egypt. And you've heard me say it a million times, you know, it's, it's a lot harder to get Egypt out of you than it is to get you out of Egypt. Yeah. And in all of us, it's, it's so much easier for us to escape A geographical position or a situation but in doing so we're constantly fighting against what could have been what would have been what should have been in the midst of the journey you see it was the journey that that caused Israel to struggle they 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 only had a two to three week trip from Egypt to the promised land but it takes 40 years because there were so many people that had a survival mentality and while they were in the wilderness some of you may recall they started complaining to Moses, why didn't you just let us die in Egypt? We were surviving. We were making it. We were getting by. And somehow the leadership, Moses and others, had to convince them that what God had for them was worth the effort and worth the fight. Even 40 years of it, it was worth the fight. Even though they could have been there two, two and a half weeks, some of them stayed true to the vision and the promise, and others faded. There were those who died in the wilderness, and get this, there were those who got right up to the promised land and decided, we think we're okay on the east side. I'm going to read this to you, Joshua chapter 1, verse 12. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, two and a half tribes of Israel, remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you, The Lord your God is giving you rest and has granted you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, but all your fighting men, fully armed, must cross over ahead of your brothers. You are to help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest as he has done for you, and until they have to until they, too, have taken possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan toward the sunrise. Now, I'm going to exercise a little theological liberty here today. And I'm going to assume that the east side was not the place of promise, but you could see it from there. Now, my question to these two-and-a-half tribes is, what would make you want to camp just short of God's best? God's best was a land flowing with milk and honey, and yet there, is, there are two-and-a-half tribes that say, you know, we're okay on the east side. Now you'll notice that God doesn't condemn them, He doesn't judge them, He doesn't even criticize them. He says, that's what you want, that's where you're going to camp. And there are people around us in our lives that are not bad people. They're still included in this thing called the faith, and yet, if we're not careful, we become one of the two and a half tribe people that say, God, 40 years, I think I'm just going to camp just short. Just short. I'm just going to survive because survival is in me. I learned how to do it in Egypt. I learned uh, what it's like to survive. I don't really want to go in, but God said, but you got to go help your brothers. Now, I don't know, you know women, you're going to get mad at me right now, but how many wives are saying, I don't want you to go? And God said, you're going. Now, if I'm going to fight in Canaan, I'm going to live in Canaan. But obviously there were, Two and a half tribes that said, We don't care. And sometimes, in the midst of our losses, we lose hope, we lose heart, we lose energy, we lose faith, or at least it fades. I want to challenge us today to not accept good. Too many people accepting good. Well, this would be okay. I'm okay. I don't want to be okay. I don't want to be good. I want to be awesome. Not for, my, not for the sake of arrogance or pride. I just want to be great in the things of God. I want God to show himself strong. I want everything God has for me. There's not a day hardly that goes by that I don't get up and, and that song, Love is Returning. God, anything and everything that's been taken from me, without your permission, return it to me. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm just saying I want everything God has, and God's going to get really tired of me. Matter of fact, this morning I got a little strong with God. Have you ever done that? Matter of fact, I, I, was, I was just a little bit edgy thinking, I hope this is okay. But I said, God, you told me to call you into remembrance of your word. I'm getting ready to do that right now, so I'm preparing you, God. I said, I'm not asking anymore, I'm declaring. Everything that was stolen, your word says if a thief's caught stealing, he has to pay back seven times. I'm calling it in, God. You notice, I I said, God, I ain't asking you. I'm telling you, this is what you told me. Now, if you're at all religious right now, you don't want to be anywhere near me. You think lightning is getting ready to strike. God loves bold faith. Because he's able to do anything that we ask and declare. But there were two and a half tribes that said, you know, we're just really not into taking our families across the Jordan. It's risky, flood stage, yada, yada, yada. Now, Joshua chapter 3, verse 1, says, Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to Jordan where they camped before crossing over. Can you imagine what that camp was like that night? You're getting ready to enter a dream place, a place you've been told about, a place that flows with milk and honey, but there are enemies there, and there are giants there, and we look like grasshoppers in their sight. One night, they're sitting there camping. Next night, camping. And after three days, the officers went throughout the camp Giving orders to the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, and the priests, who are Levites, carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. As we know, the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence and the power of God. It's like God saying, my presence and my power will go before you. And they will make a way for you. What what you must do is you must get on your feet and you must follow. You must trust, you must believe that I will lead you into the right direction. And in this case, God's leading them straight into the enemy's camp. The enemy's land. And he's saying, I'm going to give it to you. I told you I would and I will. Most of us fall short of God's best because we get comfortable with God's good. We're okay. We can make it. We're going to be fine. And we begin hearing those words over and over and over and over again. To the point where we give up the ground... That Jesus paid for us to possess. Two mentalities. The mentality of those who escape. The mentality of those who enter. Most people just want to escape. But after they escape, they don't know what to do. I want a new job. I want a new spouse. I want a new house. I want a new car. And so we're constantly looking. If I can get away from that. If you get away from that without understanding. You're going towards something. You're going to be escaping the rest of your life, and like a dog chasing his tail, you're never going to catch it. You're never going to get it. We're called to be people that possess, not people that are dispossessed. And so we have to create a a mentality, an attitude, a lifestyle that affords us the strength we need and the purpose we possess to go into what God has for us. This pandemic has caused a lot of people to question churches. I have tons of pastor friends all over the world. Usually talk to at least one a week. What are you thinking? What's going on? How are you feeling? How's church going? And I'm just going to be a little bold here. It still amazes me that people can get up and go to work five days a week in the midst of a pandemic but can't get up one day on Sunday and come to church for fear that they might catch it. We're so politically correct, we don't even know when to clap anymore. If I clap, who's gonna get mad at me? Who cares? <laughs> Pastor, you're insensitive. No, I'm just real. So tired of sissy America. Yeah, I wonder how people. What would they will think? No, I'm just telling you. Some of y'all need to get out of bed, get out of your house, quit making excuses, and get in church. And it may not be here now that I've told you. You'll go somewhere else and talk about me, but at least you're in church, Uh (laughs) Haha. I mean, I am literally every week going, you're just sitting at home doing good and surviving. But let me tell you, there's nothing like physical touch. Listen to this. Our pores are places for messages of love and physical contact. Four hugs a day... Are necessary for survival. See law. <laughs> Just let that soak in a minute. Four hugs a day are necessary for survival. Eight hugs a day for maintenance, and I call that revival. And 12 hugs a day are required for growth or for thriving. You see, it takes a little effort, it takes intentional movement, but most people don't get there and don't live there because it's just too hard. So let's talk for a moment about my very first thought, it's called survival. So we'll go survival, revival, thrival, where you you go, where am I on this spectrum? Am I just simply a survivor? And if you are, God bless you. We'll see you in heaven. Maybe. Just kidding. It was a place of decision. So it will either be a place of demarcation where you sit there and like Israel, you, you're strategizing in preparation for going across the Jordan and into the promise. If you refuse to move... And use that as a place of demarcation. It will become a place of stagnation. You can live with stagnation. You can live with stagnant. Trust me, I grew up around stagnant ponds. And, and, and the odor is not always great, but you got a place. But you'll never be happy with just good. You might be okay, but you'll never be happy. Because God puts something in you, in every one of us, In every individual, spiritual DNA is more than a conqueror. Not someone who avoids war, not someone who avoids getting injured, but someone who understands, in order to get from where I am to where God's called me to be, there will be adversity, opposition, and even pain. All you have to do is ask Jesus. Jesus getting from the crib, the cradle to the cross, battle after battle. And if threats didn't work, applause and accolades were given and a shot as well. In other words, the devil knew that if he couldn't stop Jesus through adversity, that maybe he could stop him through praise acknowledging the devil knew more than the people that Jesus was the Son of God. That's how come in the three temptations, Satan was trying to get Jesus to stop going to the cross because if he got to the cross and he did what he said he was going to do, which was come back from the dead, then Satan would be done and all the power he would possess at that point would be the power to deceive the people of God in future generations. He'll do anything he can to stop you from getting to your destiny, anything. Matter of fact, he'll even give you a good job, but not a God job. And there's nothing wrong with a good job unless you're unhappy at your good job. And most people are unhappy at their good job. They want a God job. And I'm not talking about how much money you make. I'm not talking about titles. I'm talking about what you love to do. God wants us to live in that place of what we love to do. You are not called to make a living. You are called to make a difference. Ask yourself, am I making a difference? I got to tell you, I love my trash collectors. They're making a difference for me. Can you imagine what, what would you do with all your trash? Susan and I have got to be the trashiest two people in the world. I mean, we're clean, but we always have bags of trash. I'm like, honey, there are just two of us. How did we accumulate a big old hefty bag of trash in like three days? Something's wrong with us. We need counseling. (laughs) And every Thursday, every Wednesday, I think about the guys driving the trash trucks. And I go, thank you, Jesus. It may not be a sexy job or a glamorous job, but I promise you, the guy behind the wheel of that truck who's an introvert and doesn't even like people is living his dream. I don't have to put up with anybody, trash is trash, I'm great. You, you, and so often we, 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 we minimize people's roles, but what would we do without them? I'm so thankful for everybody who steps into their role, and, and, and I'll never forget, my dad was, he was a great worker, hard worker, I mean massive, and so he worked for Oklahoma Natural Gas Company for 33 years. During that process, they try to promote him time and time again, so finally... One day, one day, Dad thought, I, you know, I, I, I get a raise, it'll be an easier job, yada, yada. He got promoted, was overseeing a bunch of guys, and after a year, it almost killed him. And he said, I want my old job back, which you can't imagine. Why, Dad, why would you do that? You're, you're doing what you've always done. You're out in the elements. You're out in the weather. You're doing what you're told. But it's what made him happy. And to his credit, rather than just thinking about money and being discouraged and depressed, That was his best place. Now, it wouldn't even be my good place because I have like five thumbs on each hand. I am not the gifted guy with a hammer. As a matter of fact, if you ever want me to help you, you might want to think twice. I could let loose of a hammer with five thumbs. story of Abraham and his father, Terah, says Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law, Sarah, the wife of his son, Abram. And together, they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. Again, a place of promise. But when they came, <coughs> came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. Now, he set out for Canaan. But on the way to the Ur of the Chaldeans, his son, Haran, isn't it ironic, dies And theologians say that Terah lost heart. So he remained in Haran short of God's best, good, family, lived 205 years. I'd say he did all right. But he never got to the place of his assignment. Now, oftentimes, we lose someone we love, lose a job lose a business, and like Tara, we just lose heart. And we just decide we can camp here. It's a good place, plenty to eat, everything's good. And if we're not careful, we stay there. We camp there, we live there, and we die there. During this season, there is a lot, there are a lot of questions that are unanswered and will probably go unanswered for a season. Some of you have lost business, lost job, and as a result of that, you've lost heart, and you're just saying, I'll accept whatever. When I started Mosaic Church, I was praying, and some of you have heard me tell the story, I was praying for a building. Before we ever started, I didn't have a building. Again, the story of my life. And I began to pray, God, give us a place. I was very spiritual. God, help me find a building. God, we need a house of worship to glorify you. You get really desperate when you start sucking up to God. It's like God's going, stop stop the syrup, okay? I know what you're praying for. You don't have to suck up because most people pray to suck up to God. You know, God doesn't want you to suck up to him. He wants you to remind him what he said. You can ask anything, anything in my name, and I'll do it. But this particular morning, I'm praying God says, stop. Now, you know, not audibly, but in my heart, I, I hear this, stop. I said, what? He said, him for a place. He said, right, start asking me for the place, my place for you. Generic prayers are good. They're okay. But when we start asking God specifically, things begin to change. And I remembered this because in 1999, wow, that just seems like forever ago. When I was 19, (laughs) I remember just having, you know, new starting church had been six years, five years old at that point. And a guy gave me, was going to give me a car. I told you the story. But, but I remember him, the, the, to shorten it, I told him, I said, whatever you give me belongs to God. And if God tells me to give it away tomorrow, I'm going to give it away. He said, I don't care. i got to get God off my back. So then he turns to me and he says, what kind of car do you want? Well, I could have said, oh, you know, any car will do. You know, we play that humble game. It's okay. Well, for the first time, I thought, I think I'm just going to tell him. I told him exactly what I wanted. I mean, and it could have come off as unappreciative incense or whatever. I looked at him and said, you know, I, I, because I have so many kids, I said, I want, a, I want a red Suburban. He said, good. He said, it's sitting in my driveway with 100 miles on it right now. He'd already bought it. God knew what I wanted before I ever asked. But I'm not sure what would have happened. You say, well, you'd have probably gotten it anyway. But then he says, can you wait a few days? I want to trick it out. How many of you know I didn't have to pray? "Uh Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-huh. And I remember at that point thinking God cares about every detail in my life more than I care about it. But God cares about it because God doesn't want to just do good He wants to do the best. So I'm I'm challenging us, raising the bar today, and encouraging us to dream big. The place that separates survivors from revivers and thrivers, this is it. Survival is the platform from which we get to choose how we're going to live our lives. What we're going to do with our lives. How we're going to respond to God's word. Is pain going to keep you where you are? Unforgiveness going to keep you where you are? Bitterness going to keep you where you are? Doubt going to keep you where you are? I'm too old going to keep you where you are? Age is just a number. And you just have to keep fighting through it and pressing on and pressing forward to what God has. The place separates past defeat from future victory. They're standing on these muddy banks waiting to cross a river at flood stage. How many of you know many people say, I'm out? This is crazy. We're crossing over a river at flood stage to fight people twice our size who already know the land and have the lay of the land. Listen, if God is for you, who can be against you? To me, survival is base level living. It becomes a lifestyle if we accept it instead of a platform. Survivors are satisfied by the least, not the best. Now, this will irritate and agitate some people in a good way. It will stir you up to say, are we living life at the minimum, at good, or are we really still focusing on getting to the place called best. I fight it every day with the pandemic being the way it is. How do we lead through it? What do we do? How do we get people out of their slumber? I'm going to tell you, the greatest demonic ploy out of the pandemic was to get people comfortable not worshiping God anymore. You say, well, I'm worshiping God at home. I've already stated how many touches are necessary to really thrive. How many hugs are necessary? To really thrive. Nothing wrong with hearing the word, nothing wrong with watching online. But if you're watching online from anywhere else in the world, I would hope you have a home church that after watching me, you can go sleep. I mean, go to another church. <laughs> Not sleep through church. But you could you, you're in a place where you're touching people and being touched by people. Now, here's what happens you can always tell survivors this by this way. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. People who are survivors are people who grumble. They're people who gossip. They're typically because they're just they're. It's like the. It's like I'm trying to think if this would be acceptable at nine thirty. It will be at eleven. It's two different crowds, man. But if you think about taking a bath, you're sitting there in your own filth. Well, that got the response I thought it might. (laughs) I was afraid of that. (laughs) Just sitting here. And that's kind of like survival. Just sitting here. People who are survivors, that's one of their... Their qualities are one of the things you can tell. They grumble, they complain, they criticize because they're staying in the same place. It's not that they're bad. It's just what's on the inside of them is not translating and transferring to what's on the outside. In other words, creating movement toward their purpose, their destiny. And they're always frustrated, especially when people decide to not stay anymore and say, no, I can't do this anymore. It's like the lepers who knew they were going to starve to death outside the walls of their city went to the enemy's camp, and as they were going to the enemy's camp, the Bible says that they sounded like an army, and all of the enemies fled, and they were left with a camp full of food and gold and silver, all because they decided, we're not sitting here another day and dying outside the walls of our city because we have leprosy, and nobody wants us inside. We're not going to let our leprosy stop us from finding a way to eat And get beyond our current condition. I can't imagine the pain that they were in. I can't imagine what they suffered. But I do know this. They decided we're not sitting here and dying. Status quo. The mess we're in now. We're not doing it. Many people have quit. Many churches have closed their doors. And just said it's not worth it. We're not going to fight through it. We can't do it. Many businesses said we might as well just close our doors. And shut them down. And shut it down. When in reality, it's time to rise up. Close with this story. It's a really powerful story. A a lady by the name of Veneta Flowers was an all-star athlete at the University of Alabama, Birmingham. And born in 1973, and her goal, most of her life, was to win an Olympic gold medal. She was a star. She had won all the possible things you could win in college. Everybody knew that she was a Pretty much thought she was a shoe-in for the Olympics. And uh, she tried out for the 1996 Summer Olympics and fell short. 2000, again, fell short. It looked as though her dream was not going to happen. She could have just said, I, I did my best, I survived, I made it, I'm okay, But her husband found a note uh, that was posted in the Olympic Village that they were now preparing for Winter Olympics. They were looking, because sprinters are really good for some of the Winter Olympics. But up to this point, going into 2002, no African-American female had ever won a gold in the Olympics. Only one had won a bronze in 1988. Bonetta Flowers thought, what the heck? Let me go. I've ne- I hate the cold. I've never pushed a bobsled, barely know what it is. But at her husband's encouragement, decided to go try out. She made the team. Long story short, 2002, Vanetta Flowers won a gold medal in bobsledding. Why? Because she decided, good's not enough for me. Most people never get a chance to qualify in the Olympics, much less win a gold. But she said, I'm not a survivor. I'm not someone that can just settle for good. I'm going to go for it all. And it cost an insurmountable amount of money. She had no endorsements. She had no one funding her. But she decided good is not enough. I pray that we don't settle for good. Every Sunday I come to church and I am crying out to God on Sunday mornings, fill the house, fill the house, fill the house. Not for my sake, but for your sake, God. Be glorified in all of this. I don't know how much I've shared last week. A friend of mine has a church of six or 7,000 in Austin, Texas. And I called him last week and he said, you know, he said, I said, well, how you, how you guys doing? He said, well, we finally crossed over 1,000 people last weekend. Now, you do the math from 6,000 to just now crossing over 1,000 people in six months. How you could quickly lose heart. Wondering, God, are you ever going to do it again? Are you going to breathe again? i got good news for you. This is just my theory. If we will exercise faith and action, and we will believe God and honor God, trust God, and follow God, we'll see a move of God like never before in our nation, if not the world. Or we can sit back and say, well, you know, had it not been for the pandemic, we were doing great. We were going great guns. Or we can look and say, there ain't a pandemic in hell that can stop our God from doing what he wants to do. Now, this is a time when people think you're crazy when you're sitting here in the midst of it and your, your attendance is off—fifty, 50, 60, 70 percent depending on what church you're at. We need to do what the Bible says, and I know religious people hate this because I follow them. I like to know what religious people are thinking. But the Bible says God speaks of future events with as much certainty as though they've already passed, or he speaks of those things that are not as though they already were. I'm not saying that we are in any way close to being able to do what God does, but God through us can. And I believe it's time to quit talking about what we've lost and start talking about what we're going to possess because we're going to live the promises of God. Just give me five people who aren't afraid to march into hell with a water gun and believe God for the water once we get there. You never know if you can win if you never go on the field. But we know that we're all created to be winners. We're all created for God's best. And you know what? There will always be people, naysayers, gossipers, people who talk about us, people who try to hold us back. It'll never happen. I mean, you hear all of the stories. I had a nasty Facebook post this week. Somebody really got nasty with me. And I just smiled, and I thought, you don't know me like God does. If you did, you'd love me the way he does, idiot. Anyway, so, (laughs) hope you're watching. But you do have potential to not be an idiot, but it is your choice. (laughs) I know I've crossed the line when Jesse does this. All you guys got to do is watch Jesse, and you'll know whether I went whoop, off-road. That was off-road. But listen, it's a lot more fun than just being on a paved highway, all right? We just have to make choices and decisions to say, God, good is not enough. And I pray this week your prayer is this. God, I love you. I appreciate you. I praise you. I worship you. But like Jacob, I'm going to wrestle with you. I'm going to fight for what you have for me. I'm going to do everything I know to do to get your best in my life. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't give out. Don't give in. I believe the rest of our lives are going to be the best of our lives. But you have to choose it. So get up this week every day and say, God, I'm believing for your best. I thank you for where I am. I thank you for who you are, but I'm believing you for the best. Some of you looking for a job, you ain't going to get a job. You're going to get the job. You're going to get the job. You're going to get a job that's going to blow your mind. You're going to get a job that you're going to go, wow, God, because you stayed focused. You stayed true. You didn't give up. You didn't give up on faith. You didn't quit. Yeah, it's hard. Sometimes sweaty. Sometimes it's, it's even scary. But what does it cost? To get up and declare what you're believing for. Have some courage when you go before God. And you go home and Google it. God said, call me into remembrance of my word. God, you said you'd surround me with favor as with a shield. That'd be the head and not the tail. Enemies come at me from one direction. They have to flee in seven. That's what you told me. If I hide in the secret place of the most high in the shadow of the almighty, nothing's going to come near me. No deadly pestilence. The arrows that, that fly by day, nothing's coming near me. You say, well, what if I die in the process? What good does it do to criticize a dead person? That's the way I look at it. <laughs> well, he was believing. Talk all you want. I'm in heaven with Jesus. And if you talk about me, he's going to let me stand there when you come. Wouldn't it be great if you, you, you were <laughs> Jesus said, you get to choose whether they come in or not. I'd probably let you in, but i would make you sweat for a decade. And we'll think about it. Come back tomorrow. Come back next week. Come back next year. We'll have a chat. (laughs) There's just a part of me that's not right at all. (laughs) But I want the best for everyone, but it takes something to get the best. When you're doing great, the greater you get, the better you get. When you get to the best... Here's what you have to prepare for. You have to prepare for survivors to scream at you, criticize you, gossip about you, because they will, because they didn't have the guts to get up and stand against a river flowing at flood stage, to go into a land where they look like grasshoppers and nobody would give them a chance to win. It takes guts, it takes courage. I don't know when y'all are going to get out of your house, but it's probably time. They think it's stuck when you do that. (laughs) What's happened to our computer? (laughs) I'm still here. It's time. To go after the best When things are at their worst Don't stay there Go after it Believe God for it This is coming back Let me tell you one of two things is going to happen Either Jesus is coming back or we're coming back One of two things If he doesn't come back that must mean He says i got to come back for you Your set up Was for a comeback We're there Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you would never leave us, forsake us, and you will never, ever allow us to lose. Now, it may look like it because the ultimate win is that at the end of everything, as believers, we get to go to heaven. So that's the major win. Nobody can take that from us. But God, you have a destiny within us, a purpose for our being. Lord, may we identify that, focus on that, stay true to that purpose. Even when we've had a major setback, it's a setup for a comeback. And God, I thank you for that, that you are putting in us a drive, an unction to function, God, to, to move forward toward our destiny in the midst of one of the worst times in American history, if not world history. God, we thank you that you're still here You're still God. You're still in charge. Now, God, take charge of our lives. Move us into our place of promise, God. We're not going to be satisfied just surviving. We're not hanging on until you come. We're going to occupy until you come because that's what you said to do. So, Lord, we're going to keep on pressing. With every head bowed, every eye closed, it all begins with trusting God with your salvation, with your eternity. The Bible says if we call on the name of the Lord, we'll be saved. Today, that's the first step toward thriving in your life is to let Jesus be the Lord of your life. So I want everyone to pray this prayer with me right now. Say, Father God, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you. For giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. And I declare you are the Lord of my life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer. Please text the word SAVED to 405-513-10. And put your name in there. Text the word SAVED in your name. 405-513-10. Big step away from just saying I'm okay. I'm good. God sent Jesus to do more than make our lives good. He sent them, he sent Jesus for us to live our best, best life. Begin today. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crowe. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Or join us online. God bless you.